uh, to be here celebrating his words. We began last week a series of sermons from February uh, titled Love Notes from God. Our sermon last week, our lesson last week was My Love is Faithful. And 26 times in Psalm 136, God said, I, I want you to know how faithful I love you. And he repeats it over and over again for 26 times in a row. I love you, I love you, I love you. And he keeps saying that. And throughout the scripture, God tells us he loves us. The second lesson is my love sacrifices. Love is a word that we throw around in conversation like a basketball in a game, back and forth. We throw those words around. Uh, there's both giving and taking when you experience love. Uh, when it comes to us, we give it and we take it. The word love has a lot of meanings. For example, we can say, and I've said this before, I love pizza. I always say something with that. I love pepperoni pizza. So, but we love pizza. We can also love our parents. Uh, on social media, we can express uh, how we love someone, and some of you may not know what I'm talking about, using a heart emoji. How many knows what I'm talking about? Heart emoji. And love can mean different things at different times, different people. Can we really know what love is? In the ancient Greek, there are four types of words for love, four words for love. There's storge love, which is the love that is shared between family members, like between a parent and a child. You love when your parent, your child says that they love you. There's erotic love or eros love, romantic love, which explains itself. Uh, there's phileo love, which is brotherly love, where Philadelphia gets their name. Phileo love. Then there's the word agape love, which is a sacrificial love. And this is the fourth kind of love we want to talk about today. Because there's a word that says this, that basically 1 John 4, 8 says this, that he loves us and God is the one who models love. God tells everybody in this room, I love you. And no greater way did he shout it out to you in that famous verse of John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. We should personalize that and say, God so loved Jerry Hayes. And you put your name in there. God has a clear message for all of us today. And it's found in one passage with one verse we focus on. I want you to see what God's love note is today. Here it is. I want you to see it on the screen. Read it with me if you can see it on the screen. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. That is what Jesus sends to each and every one of us this year and every day of our life. He loves us. The next part of that verse says, by the way, I think I didn't put it on the card, I didn't put it on the screen. The next part of the verse says, next verse says, and you are my friends. No one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus says, you're my friends. We're the friend of God. God loves us. We sing, oh, how he loves us. We sing, oh, how he loves you and me. I want you to see the larger passage. If you have your Bibles, look, with, if you will, with me to chapter 15, verse 9. And follow along, if we have that on the screen, or follow along in your Bible or in your phone. This is what Christ's love is like, God's love is like. Here's what Jesus said, written in red, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. Remain in my love. Remain in his love. I've, I've told you these things, that your, my joy may be in you, that your, my, your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I've loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've made known everything I've, you've heard from my father. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruit, in my, and that fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, uh, he will give it to you. And then verse 17, this is what I command. This is the greatest commandment. Love one another. Love one another. Can you imagine how much better our world would be if we had a little more love going around? If people would meet and hug each other's neck instead of throw rocks at them or throw bullets at them or shoot bullets at them. We need to love people. I think that this love note today says three things to us. I want us to get off the page of the, of the text there. First, God says this to each one of us. My love has a message. My sacrificial love has a message. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. You see, two wonderful truths about God's love in this verse. First, you have to recognize the promise of God's love there. As the Father has loved me, I love you. God is love and he loves us. I have on my phone, I asked Siri, some of you know Siri. I asked Siri at different times in different places of this building, starting Wednesday when I worked on the sermon, and then two more times this morning, I asked Siri around different places of the building uh, this question, God's love, God's love. I just throw that in, and, and the original response was, I didn't get that. The next response was, was interesting question. The third response was, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And, and the bottom line is, it, the, the rest of the sentence says, I'm not sure I understand. The bottom line is, most of the world doesn't fully understand the true message of God's love. When we talk about God's love, they're thinking we're thinking about religion. They think we're thinking about coming to church. They think we want our money. God says, I'm not asking anything. I'm giving you everything. That's the message of God's love. Are you sure? The wonderful Dolly Parton, I like to hear her sing. She's had some great songs. She sang a song, wrote a song that others made popular, I Will Always Love You. And that was, it, it went kind of platinum. It just everybody sang that. It was a great song. And that's what she sang about. But God shared the promise. She shared a song. God shares a promise. I will always love you. Only God can say that. Because our love is fickle. Our love is troubling sometimes. But God says, I love you. So the first thing is this. Recognize the promise of God's love. Then also remain on the path of God's love. See, it's up to us to be a loving person. You can choose love if you want to or not. You can hug another, another let me say this, you can hug another neck, neck, next, next to you. I can't say that. You can hug another neck, hug a neck next to you. You can do that, but you don't have to. There's some people it's just hard to love. Can I get a witness? No, no. They're driving on the freeways, you know. But we have to choose to love. We can look at those people that give us a hard time and hate them, or we can do what Jesus said, love them. I mean, can you imagine anybody that was given, given the rough treatment like Jesus Christ, and yet he ended out as saying, I love all of them. We have to stay on the path. Stay on well-marked path. And there's no greater path of life than what Jesus sets forth in this passage. Love me. Love God and love one another. You do those three things and your life is going to be full. Have you drifted from the path of love? In fact, I read this story about a mother and son and husband that went out to the, the ocean to take a little vacation and she thought, well, the, I'm just going to go out and just kind of sit on one of those blow-up rafts, you know, one that make your jaws tired like this when you blow them up. She, they get it all blown up. She lays out on it and, and just enjoying the breeze of the ocean and she looks up and she's drifted far out to sea and she can't paddle the waves of God or she's going far out to sea. She screams for help. 
and uh, her husband's oh, the only one heard her, and he swims in there. Well, the first person they had to save was the husband, <laughs> which just says something about his swimming ability, which is me. <laughs> and then finally, the lifeguard brought him back, and then he swims out again to find the lady who had drifted. And when he found her, she was 850 yards from shore. That's eight football fields. No wonder she was screaming. Let me ask you this. Have you drifted from the foundation, from your home, from your heart of God's loving you? Why do we drift? Charles Russell speaks in the pastor of Veritas Church, says this, that we drift from God's love for five reasons. You might want to jot these down. An out-of-control life. He said, we live in a life where everything's evil and everything's disappointing. We're out of control. We don't have everything timed right. Secondly, we drift from God's love because of misplaced affections. The Bible says this in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world. But let me tell you, something, tell you something. All of our passion, all of our purpose has to come with the things we love in this world. Our car, our homes, our yard, our toys, and our stuff, and our trips, and our vacations. And we love all those things. And somehow, we leave God on the bench. Misplaced affections. Third, we drift from God's love because of discouragement. Boy, that's easy to hit, isn't it? If I were to raise hands in here, everybody, there's something you're concerned about right now and you're discouraged. There are a lot of people who could raise their hands. We drift. Listen to what the Bible says in Joshua 1.9. Be not discouraged. I'm with you. I'm with you. We drift from God's love because of abundance. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the love of the money, love of money is the root of all evil. Possessions pull us away from God. And there are no doubt many people are taking care of their possessions instead of worshiping God on Sunday. The love of possessions causes us to drift away from God. And he lists the last one. The number one reason, listed five, but the number one reason we drift from God is we have some sin in our life. We refuse to let go. The Bible says this, lay aside the sin that enslaves you. If there's some sin that's in your heart, it'll keep you out of church. It'll keep you from tithing. It'll keep you from fellowship. It'll keep you from loving God. Sin pulls us away from God. God says this, my love is a message. Stay with me. My love has a message. Stay loving other people. Secondly, in his love note, he says, my sacrificial love has a mandate. Verse 12 says, this is my command, love one another as I've loved you. Five times Jesus used the word command or something like that in, in this passage. Twice he used it plural. In other words, he says, hey, folks, get with it. What have I said? Did I mean what I said? And are you keeping it exactly like I said it? We twist the scripture and twist what Jesus means and don't, mean, don't believe he really means what he says. No, Jesus meant what he said. Love me and love others, and I'll love you. Love me and obey me. He meant what he said. Notice what the emphasis on this command means, this mandate. And I see, I see four things he mandates. We are mandated, commanded to be faithful. We are commanded to love one another. We're commanded to be sacrificial. And we are commanded to be obedient. And that, in a nutshell, is what it means to be a Christian. Uh, there's a recent article I read by a lady named Ruth Clemens. She said, there's seven ways to practice sacrificial love. You want to take these down if you want to. Look to the example of Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, he became obedient to death. 
You think you caught that? The ultimate sacrifice in this world was given by Jesus Christ. He was God. He was God's son. He was powerful. He could have wiped away. He could have called 10,000 angels and wiped the whole crowd away. He didn't have to die, but he chose to die. He loves as an example to us. Secondly, we need to practice sacrificial love when it comes to our family. Ephesians 5 says, talks about this family love. Hey, listen, you need to love God, number one, and then you need to love your family, and then let the church come next. Number three, we need to make sure that we, if we sacrifice, we sacrifice our worship to him. What does that mean, sacrifice and worship? Let, let, let me say this. Do you know that it takes a certain amount of time to be involved in church? Hey, hey, choir, if you're in the choir, raise your hand. Choir, raise your hand. What do y'all do on Wednesday night after everybody leaves? You're sacrificing your time. By the way, let's thank them. Let's thank them. Come on, thank them. Sunday school teachers, people keeping the nursery and the children's workers downstairs and the youth workers with Chris and, and Stephanie in the other building, all these people are giving their time in sacrifice. They don't have to do it. We do it because we love God. Sacrifice your time. Sacrifice. Worse, sacrifice your worship. And fourth, obey Jesus. Jesus said, the one who keeps my commands loves me. You keep Number five. Deny yourself and your passions and follow the passion and purpose of Jesus Christ. Most people are following their own desires, but none, the few, the desires of Jesus Christ. Number six, love and serve the body of Christ. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, love one another. And the meaning of that verse is talking about the, the context of a fellowship of the church. Hey, folks, if we love one another, we're not going to disagree with one another. If we love one another, we're going to get along with each other. We're going to walk together agreed. Can two walk together? The Bible says through Solomon's pen, can two walk together except there be agreed? And what I'm saying, there should be, according to Christian's command, we should live in basic agreement with each other on the greater cause of who Jesus is and his love. Then we need to love those who are marginalized by society. There are a lot of people just walking the streets now. And I understand, and I, and I don't know what God is doing in me. He's doing something about me. It's sad to me that, that people get all upset about dogs that are lost and dogs are mistreated. And we don't care at the same level for people living underneath the bridge. I'm just saying. It hurts me somewhat. And I'm not saying I have the answer. All I'm saying, the answer comes through the message that Jesus says, love one another, love people. When you see people and you reject them because they're dirty or nasty or different, is that really right with God? I don't find that in Scripture. The Bible says whoever has this world's goods and turns his back on somebody in need, how does God's love dwell in his heart? We have to change this world by loving people. When you love our neighbor... The 18th century pastor, John Vanney, says this. Love our neighbor consists in three things. Desire the greater good for everyone. Want the best for people. Secondly, do what we can, when we can, for them. And then it says, number three, excuse their faults. In other words, forgive them when they mess with you. <laughs> That's hard. Love is, can be a superficial word. Or it can be a very spiritual word. Then thirdly, God says to you and says to me today, my sacrificial love has a model. Verse 13, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. I really have never been a music person, but uh, I'm very musical 
declined. <laughs> and I was listening to my music on my system as I was working on this sermon, and this song comes up. And, and I have to tell you, there's, can, can I get a witness out there? Isn't it amazing how music can show up to meet some spiritual need you have just at the right time? That is the grace of God. I'm listening to this. I'm working on this sermon, and this song comes up right around this area when I'm working on the sermon. I'm making notes, and, and Sue will tell you, and she follows my, my she, nobody can read my writing but me. Brian can, nobody can read my writing but me. But I'm just writing as fast as I can. And all of a sudden, I, I'm trying to write down this message of this song as it's all coming through. I'm thinking, this is from God. i got to say this Sunday. Then I realize, freeze. Get it online and copy it. <laughs> so I did right here. Casting crowns. Love them like Jesus. And you'd have to understand the context of this song to maybe listen to it more than once to get it. But I want to make sure I try to treat some respect to the song by giving you the message. This is the model of what we do for other people. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for friends. And the song says this. The love of her life is drifting away. They're losing their fight for another day. The life she's known is falling apart. A fatherless home. A child's broken heart. You're holding her hand. You're straining for words. You're trying to make sense of it all. She's desperate for, desperate for hope. Darkness clouding her view. She's looking to you. And then the answer comes. Just love her like Jesus. Carry her to him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You don't need the answers to all of life's questions. Just know that he loves her. Stay by her side and love her her like Jesus. The next time somebody's going through a painful thing, don't try to come up with something to say. Just be there. I love the story about a little girl whose good friend died and she's sitting in her mom's house and she said, Mom, can I go see her mother? And she says, you can, sweetheart, but what do you want to say to her? She said, I don't want to say anything to her. I just want to sit in her lap. I just want to be there. Our job is to love people. Let me tell you something. I talked about the Holy Spirit's power on Wednesday night. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit will empower a loving church. God's love is giving. God's love is great. And God's love is growing. God's never given up on us. 1 John 4 verse 8 says this. One of the primary attributes of God is love. Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. And this verse describes the definition of who God is. A.W. Tozer, the great theologian, once stated this way. Nothing God ever does or ever did or ever will do is separate from his love. God is love. That's it. I'm speaking of Valentine's time, and it's time for Valentine's. Don't forget, you've got to celebrate this week, guys and girls. It's a two-way street, just so you know. <laughs> I'm saving the guys out there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> The little boy named Chad came home to his mom and said, Mom, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. I want to make a Valentine for all my classmates. And he gives her a list with all the names of everybody in his class. And so they cut out all the hearts. And one by one, he wrote a personal note to all those students in his class. And she worried about it because she knew her son was not very popular. She worried like crazy about it. So she sent him that day with a bag of Valentine's that he had addressed and written personal message to everybody in his class. 
She knew he was going to be sad because she said, I know what's going to happen in her mind. She goes, all these other kids are going to get off the bus, which, which unloads at the end of our block, and I can see it. They're going to get off the bus, and she, block, and she played it in advance. They're going to get off the bus, and they're going to have hearts of candy and candy and cards, and they're going to be all dressed with flowers and things like that. And my son's going to get off with nothing. So she baked chocolate chip cookies, bought a fresh gallon of milk. The house smelled like chocolate as the bus unloaded at the end of the block. She looks out the window, and she sees all the kids getting off. Candy hearts, flowers, bags of toys and things. She sees her son get off, running with nothing in his hand. She backs against the wall and starts to cry. She says, what am I going to say to my son? He has nothing. She backs away at the door because he's running. She sees him running. He storms through the door. Mom, you won't believe it. They all know. They all know. And she cried as she wiped away a tear. What does all your class know? And she says to her mom, everyone in my class, they now know that I love them. Jesus came to not to carry anything away but, but brutal mistreatment. And he gets back to heaven and he storms through the gates of heaven and he sits down by the Father and he says this, God, Father, they all know, they all know that I love them. We have to make sure we know this, that God loves us and our job is to tell others that we love them in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Maybe you're in here and you're, your heart's broken over some matter. There's some reason for you to be weeping today. That's understandable. But make sure we get the message that just like Jesus wept for Lazarus, he weeps for you. Just like Jesus loved the world in his day, he loves everybody here in this room. Maybe you're here and you need to come to the altar and say a little prayer. God, thank you for the loving message, the sacrificial message of Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you need to come and just pray for somebody that's missing out on love. Maybe you need to become a Christian. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You want to accept God's love today. Maybe you want to join the church. We want to give you that opportunity as we sing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, help us to know how much you love us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.
blood of Jesus shed the blood it is my victory what a sacrifice that saved my life yes the blood it is my victory before, before